Westford Junior Church. Um, if you wonder why we pray for missionaries, uh, you should wonder no longer. Am I on, Jeff? Am I on? Okay. If you would take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 27. Psalm 27. Wow. wonder who's in charge of that crew. It's a lively one. Okay. I've entitled my sermon this morning, Confident Living in Trying Times. I have found as a, a pastor and probably just as a person that if you do not have confidence, you do not accomplish very much. If you don't have confidence in your ability to give the gospel, you probably don't talk about people to people about their salvation. If you're not confident about what you do as a job, you don't try to train somebody else. If you're not confident in your ability to serve the Lord, you probably sit in the seat and don't do much. I want to encourage you that the Lord gives us confidence. It's not your confidence. It's not my confidence. I don't have a whole lot of confidence. Anybody that knows me for a long time knows that I'm kind of a laid back guy. None of you know that because you see me as a pastor exercising my spiritual gifts and standing in front of people. Uh, and hopefully coming across as somebody that's enthusiastic about what I'm doing. And that is true. But I have to tell you that uh, for many, many years, I would get to the back doors, the double doors. This was long before here, but down at the old church. And before I walk in, I'd basically say, Lord, I can't handle this. I leave all my inhibitions right here at the outside of the door, because when I walk in there, you're expecting to use me. That's the Lord's confidence, not mine. I will tell you it's not exactly the same as it was when I started, but it's still the same in many, many ways. Because our confidence is not in ourselves. It's going to be the sermon this morning. Our confidence is in what God does us, does in us and through us. And in Psalm 27, it gives us an outline of about three different things. The first is the Lord is our defense in the hard times, whatever they may be. He is our presence all the time, and he is the one that never abandons us in those tough times. So we're going to do that very quickly because obviously, as you can see, we are going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. With confidence, we should be able to partake of the bread and drink of the cup, and as 1 Corinthians chapter 11 says, proclaim his death until he comes. So it all fits together, and I encourage you, Tonight, you may never speak in public, but I want to encourage you. I know Peter already did. But if you have anything that God has done in your life, I encourage you to come this evening. There are people that tell me this is their favorite service of the whole year. I'm one of those. It's right in the top two or three for me. But to just come, stand up and just say, the Lord has worked in my life. The Lord has done this. And just let it there. Here's the thing. You will never have a more friendly audience because guess what? They're all here because they have something they're thankful for too. And uh, Peter has a few uh, interesting things planned for the very beginning of it. Uh, as he mentioned, something for the whole family. I don't know exactly what he's going to do, but he's got something planned with the kids or something. So anyway, 
But let's look at this whole thing about confidence starting in Psalm 27, verse 1. It says there, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? He said, if the Lord is your light, the one that makes it possible for you to see in particular spiritual things, and he is the one that has saved, preserved, and delivered you, why should I fear? The answer is, every single one of us has (coughs) fears of some sort. And then he goes to the next one and says, the Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? Every one of us has those things where we go, I really don't want to do this. This is hard. You dread it. I'm dreading doing this. My wife would say, I'm dreading driving in the snow. She hates driving in the snow. I'm dreading it. I don't like driving in it, but I'm not afraid of it. But there are other things that can rattle me. Just like anyone else, there are things that cause us to lose our confidence. And God says, and well, David asks the question, whom shall I fear? Whom shall I dread? And then he goes on to say, here's the situation. When evildoers come upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumble, then fell. He says, I don't have to fear and I don't have to dread. We all have those things, but if you stay there, that's the issue. He said, you know what? Those that are there to devour me. Remember the New Testament says we have an enemy that is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Same principle in the Old Testament. He says, those people, when you look around you, you don't get caught up in the fear and the dread, but you look around and and you see that the Lord is the one that handles them. Why? Because He is our defense. He's the one that defends us. If you think you can defend yourself, you will lose very quickly. Considering the verse 3, Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Although war rises against me, in spite of this, I shall be confident. David, I don't know exactly where he was when he wrote this in his life. Whether he was the king and fighting off the enemies of the state of Israel, or he was the right-hand man of King Saul, and he was fighting Goliath and winning battle after battle. Remember, it caused him problems. Even his winning caused him problems. Remember, he comes back into the city, and the young ladies are dancing and singing, Saul has killed his thousands, and David his ten thousands. You know Saul's his father-in-law, right? His father-in-law is jealous of him. His father-in-law, Saul, King Saul, also knows that David is the next king. He also knows David is not trying to get rid of him. But you know what? Saul has no confidence in what God is doing. But David says, my confidence is in the Lord. Why? Because he's the one that ultimately defends us. God never gives us more than we can handle. When I was a young Christian and just starting in ministry, there were things that I said, these are overwhelming things. Then I became a pastor about 15 years later. And I'm going, 
Those things don't even get on the Richter scale for what happens when you're a pastor. You see, God never. He'll let us go through hard things, and we'll have to learn to trust him and recognize he's our defense. No doubt about that. But he only gives us what we can handle where we are with his presence. And so as you grow, you find out the problems are more. Many times it's because you've taken on additional, more mature responsibilities than you had in the past. But God is the one that's there to defend us. And our application for this whole thing is, you have an enemy. You have Satan. Spiritual warfare, though you cannot see it physically, is real. Some of you sitting there know because I've talked with you about it. Spiritual warfare is real. You just know that there's no known cause in this world. But you're in a battle. No doubt about it. There is the sin nature. That's the one we all battle all the time because we have an old nature that never gets better. It's always there and always fighting against our new nature. Always will until we are in the presence of God when sin is banished forever. But we still have that battle. And then the one that I believe overwhelms the church more than any other today is the battle from the outside. Because we look and we say, are we the only ones that believe this? Whatever God has said about a subject. Because you look at all kinds of subjects and the whole world system. It doesn't matter if it's education or the media or our friends or other churches. You go, they don't believe what we believe. We're we're sticking to the Bible. and, And maybe we're wrong. And the whole world system comes against us. The only defense we have is Jesus Christ, the Lord himself. There is no other ultimate defense. So that's the first part. We can be thankful because we have, indeed, a defender above and beyond. Nothing else. That's a good place to start. The second thing this morning is the Lord gives us his presence in the hard times. Look at verse 4. One thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all my days. That's not simply at the end of life in heaven. Nothing wrong with that, of course. But he says, all my days, which means I want to dwell with the Lord all the time. That's my residence. That is my real home with the Lord. That's the closeness. That's the communion. That's the fellowship that we have with the Lord. And notice it says, we can dwell in the house of the Lord all of our days. My wife and I have a a mutual friend that we uh, met uh, way back when we were at Word of Life uh, Bible Institute. He was an outdoorsman of outdoorsmen. I mean, you talk about hunting, fishing, uh, any kind of backpacking, you name it, camping. That was him. He was always that kind of guy and still is to this day. And one time he decided to go backpacking and uh, camping on his own. So he, he set up his tent at the base of a mountain. Notice I said tent, okay? In the middle of the night, he had the rudest awakening he's ever had. A mountain sheep or a mountain goat thought his tent was a rock and jumped from the mountain onto his tent in the middle of the night. That is a rude awakening. Now, 
Why do I use that as an illustration? Simply because a lot of times that's what we feel like. We don't have a, a, a strong uh, defense around us. But the Lord is the one there, and it's in his house. That rude awakening, and his, it was because there was no real protection, worldly speaking. Our protection only comes from God's presence. And his presence also is seen in many other ways. For example, there's a number of them there. To behold the beauty of the Lord. Just to look around and see just the things God has created. Now, i got to tell you, about a month ago, we had our last garden tractor pull over here. And uh, the garden tractor pulling crowd is not somebody that goes around ooing and aahing about beautiful things. We like things that make lots of noise and stuff like that. A uh, little rugged crew. But I'll tell you what, right near the end of the tractor pull, a few slushy snowflakes came down. And whatever it did to the atmosphere, it put... A double rainbow in the clouds, and I'm telling you, when the double part went away and it was just a single, it was the most vivid and bright rainbow I have ever seen in my life. You know what? Every single person, if you want to see what it looked like, John Servas has pictures of both of them. And it is the most vivid rainbow I've ever seen. Every single person there was looking in that direction. It was a big distraction. You know what? The beauty of the Lord... And more so in people's lives. I hope people look at you and they see the beauty of the Lord above and beyond even a rainbow. He says that I will meditate in his temple. And in the day of trouble, he will conceal me in his tabernacle. In the secret place of his tent, he will hide me. Now, if this was the New Testament, those words, temple, tabernacle, and tent would all be the same exact word. In Hebrew, they are three separate words, meaning three separate things, even though they have something in common. He said, I will meditate in this temple. That's simply any magnificent structure. I believe ultimately that is going to be heaven. But he's just saying, I want to meditate. I want to think about what God is doing in his temple. Again, it's a place that covers something. And then the second part, he will hide me from danger. In the day of trouble, he will conceal me in his tabernacle. The word literally means like a thicket or a hiding place. That's all it means. For example, all you deer hunters know that when the deer bed down, they usually bed down somewhere where they are covered by the low brush or whatever else. That kind of thing. Animals hide in those kinds of things. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be white-tailed deer. But it can be just about any kind of animal. That's where they hide. God's saying, yes, those are the kinds of things. And then it says, in the secret place of his tent. The place of shelter. A place where he simply hides us. I don't know exactly what that means, but it's any place that provides shelter. Those three words. And when you put them all together, you realize God is the one that protects us. He's around us all the time. His presence is the thing that actually protects us. It's not some shelter. It's not a tent or a tabernacle like that, that, or a house or a bomb shelter. None of those things. It's his presence that protects us. 
Then it goes on to say, He will lift me up. He will lift me up on a rock. You know what? He protects us. And then, think this through. So He protects us. And then He says, Oh, by the way, I'm going to lift you up on a rock. So everybody can see you. (laughs) You know what? He first makes us secure. Gives us confidence. And says, You know what? Then I'm going to show you. You're my masterpiece. Now, I am not a masterpiece. But as your parents get older, they tell you stories about things that happened when you were younger. And before both of my parents passed away, they told me a story. I'd kind of known a few things about this when I was younger. But near the end, and I think it was my dad mostly, but when I was about two, almost three years old, I was a rambling man. They said I would walk away at the drop of a hat. My parents lived in a house that was part of a farm, and they said when it was windy outside, it was windy inside. It was a horrible house to live in. But anyway, they lived on the farm there. My dad worked on the farm for somebody else. And uh, I would just get up and start walking away from home. So my mom, to stop me from walking away, took my shoes so that I wouldn't be able to walk. Well, I was an ingenious young man. I found my boots. I didn't even know I had boots, but they told me I did. I found my boots one day, and I put my boots on (laughs) and took a walk. By the time it was done, there were no cell phones in those days. My mom somehow contacted my dad, who was working on the farm. And by the time it was done, and I didn't know this back then, by the time it was done, the fire company was there. The police were there, and the Boy Scouts were there all looking for me. They looked for me for two hours, and guess where they found me? This is why this illustration. They found me with my boots on, on top of a rock, sitting there crying my head off. (laughs) I, I was there. They could see me, but it still took them two hours. I don't know. To this day, I don't know how far I went, but I went far enough that nobody was seeing me. But it was obvious when they got to me, I was sitting on top of a rock. You know, if you sit somebody on a rock, they're they're raised up. That's what God wants to do for us. He protects us with his presence, but he also wants people to see us. So if you're wondering why sometimes it's hard to be a Christian and why everybody looks at you and they can be real critical of you, the answer is we are trophies of God's grace and he lifts us up so the world can see us. And know what he does and how he works in our lives. And then there's one thing left. He says there are results. And this is the one where I want to really encourage you about something like tonight. If you've never come to a Sunday evening service before, um, we are, you're always invited. We always have a good time of fellowship and prayer and Bible study and all those things. But tonight, I really encourage you to show up. Because here's what it says. The results of experiencing the presence of God are this. I will offer sacrifices in His I'm sorry, I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. And I know a lot of our contemporary songs repeat those things, I'm going to sing to the Lord. You know what? It's a very Old Testament biblical principle that we are to sing the praise of the Lord. And I know tonight I'm going to have Joe lead us in a bunch of uh, hymns uh, interspersed with the testimonies and praises and those things. But we are to, with joyfulness, acknowledge God's presence in our life. David understood that. 
because he was protected over and over again from the enemies on the inside, like his father-in-law, who he served. The Philistines, you name all those other groups that came against him. He knew that. And he was the one that wrote the Psalms. Many of them complaining about the problems he had, but many of them praising the Lord because the Lord never abandoned him. His presence always was with him. And then, that leads us right into the last point this morning, is the Lord doesn't abandon us in the hard times. Did you ever notice, you know what a fair weather friend is, right? Yeah, all of us have had fair weather friends. They're your friends as long as you've got something to offer. Then something happens and you've got the plague. You've got leprosy. You've got some contagious disease. And all of a sudden, those people that were your friends are no longer your friends. You know what I'm talking about? Well, that's not the kind of friend that Jesus is. That's not the, friend, the kind of friend Jehovah God is. It says in verse 7, Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, and be gracious to me, and answer me. When thou dost say, Seek my face, my heart said to thee, Thy face, O Lord, I shall seek. God wants to be known to us. If you seek someone's face, I, I have been, I've heard these things over and over again in my lifetime, is that how do we recognize people? How do we recognize people? You can, you can answer that. How do you recognize somebody? What's the first thing that comes to your mind when you recognize somebody? Their face. That's exactly right. Yeah, sometimes people would say, and even the face, it's the eyes or, you know, some sort of feature. There are other, obviously, characteristics of who we are and, and how we recognize people. But the face, they've done research on that, the face is how we recognize people. Face recognition. And God says, you know what? Seek my face. Thy face, O Lord, I have sought. You know what? Seeing somebody face to face is not the same as a text message. It's not the same as an email. It's not the same as a phone call. It's none of those things. When you see someone face to face, it is a very different situation. And God says, I want to know you that closely. I want you to know that I am there. I am not a fair weather friend. I will not abandon you. I'm not going to use this next verse out of context. I'm only using it as a principle that is from the Old Testament also. Jeremiah chapter 29, starting at verse 11, says this. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. When you will call upon me and come and pray to me, I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Now, I know there's a context to that. I'm just looking at that principle because it's the same principle we're looking at here. God wants us to be close to him. And he is not the one that bails when things get tough. Verse 9 continues, do not hide thy face from me. That's what your fair weather friends do. All of a sudden, 
Hey, how come I haven't seen your face in a while? We, we do that sometimes when people, you haven't seen anybody. It's like, what, what, have you abandoned me? Even if it's nothing bad, we do that. It says, don't turn thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Do not abandon me, nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. And then he says something that some of you have actually experienced. And it's horrible. I just talked to a young man this morning that has experienced some of that. And it affects his life. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. The closest of all human relationships can be severed. The feeling of abandonment. Praise the Lord, I don't know. I absolutely can tell you I don't understand that on a personal experiential level. Praise the Lord, I don't. But I deal with people all the time that do. They don't know their father or they don't know their mother or they don't know either one of them because they've just said, we don't care. You know what? That's a horrible place to be. But God says, teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in the level way because of my foes. Do not deliver me over to the desire of my adversaries for false witnesses have risen against me and as such breathe out violence. I would have despaired unless you had believed that I would see the unless that I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. This is not pie in the sky by and by. By the way, I am looking forward to heaven. I am looking for all those good things. That's not what this verse is talking about. It's saying in the land of the living. That's right here and now. That's what David said. It's like, it's not just okay to know that when we die, we go to heaven. It's bad here, but we go to heaven, it gets better. That's a a gracious promise, right? Right? That's a gracious promise. But he says, no, no, no. It's not something by and by in the sky. No, it can be here and now. And that's what David's saying. And as such, when we know that he's there in his presence, he defends us. He doesn't abandon us. We all have something to be very, very thankful about. And then the very last verse almost sounds like the end of 1 Corinthians 15. Wait for the Lord. Be be expecting things from him. Wait for him. Be strong. Let your heart take Courage. Another way of saying, in essence, be confident. Yes, wait for the Lord. You see, our expectation and our hope. Remember last sermon, we were talking about counseling, and I said, the one thing I want people to know, that there is no situation that is above and beyond God's dealing with it. I've said it, and I'll say it again. If I believed there was any situation that there was no hope and God couldn't deal with it, I'd quit. I quit instantly because guess what? I have nothing to offer. But I, have, uh, off, I can offer to them a relationship with Christ. A face-to-face one. A now and here and now relationship. Yes, salvation from sin and with God for all eternity. Absolutely, that's where it starts. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, the rest of this isn't going to make a whole lot of sense. But it can also be that I am living here and I'm living in that same relationship that I'm going to have with God for all eternity. 
That's what it says. I did a funeral yesterday. It was my privilege to do that. And one of the things that I did is, believe, I believe I did, offered encouragement and hope and comfort. People afterwards said that, indeed, that I had done that. In fact, is my wife and I talked to one lady who said, thank you so much. I'm a Christian also. Um, it was a, and I've been praying for my family. I don't know about the rest of them. I just know that I'm a Christian. And when I was about to leave after the, uh, the, the reception part of it, another lady stopped me and said, thanks for telling the truth. I hope my parents were listening because they were here and they're not saved and I've trusted Christ. I asked her straight out. And then we talked for a while. But you know what? There is real hope for the future. But here are people living in the hard time, knowing that there are relatives that have not trusted Christ. That's not a fun place to be. But they were praying for them. They made it very clear. I am praying for them. And I said, praise the Lord. I hope, I hope they were listening also. I don't know the end result. But we have a job to do. We can take courage. We can be confident. And if we don't stand up and if we don't speak up, we've lost opportunities. So that not only we could be thankful... Because I'm, I'm, pray, I'm going home praising the Lord. And, and I will tell you, we have great elders at Garden Chapel. We had an elder retreat on Saturday. I get a phone call in the middle of the elder board meeting on Tuesday night from my wife said, this person passed away. They would like you to do the funeral. I turned to the elders and they said, we will cancel this. Because I said, yeah, but I'm torn. I have a responsibility to the church and you guys. And yet here's an opportunity. They said, you. You take that opportunity. We'll postpone this if we have to. Now, God worked it all out. I talked to Scott, and God worked it all out that it worked actually for good because it got me out of the way and they could discuss me. <laughs> no, they were discussing the future. But the point, the point is, God worked it all out. It wasn't something I looked forward to, but I had the privilege of ministering and, and doing what God asked me to do. Am I confident in doing those things? You better believe I am not. I don't know what these people, who these people are. But I found out that I was a real encouragement to some people because they were already believers. And I saw other people, and I didn't get a chance to talk to them, who were absolutely agreeing with their, paying attention. And I know some of them were paying attention because afterwards at the reception, they made remarks about things that I actually said in the sermon. And I looked at somebody, I think it was my wife or somebody else, I can't remember who it was, and I said, Hey, that just proves they at least were paying attention when I did the sermon. You know, and it was on, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You know what? We have the presence of God. We have the protection of God. And he promises it doesn't come to an end. He will not abandon us. That gives us confidence. In fact is, as I started this sermon, and we're going to have the guys gather, please. As we do this, it says that when we eat and drink, that one of the things that we do is we proclaim his death until he comes. You are not going to proclaim the work of Christ if you are not confident. You're not going to be even all that thankful because you're going to be kind of cowering. No, he wants us to be that way. Now, this is obviously a memorial. 
It is a celebration, a commemoration of what Christ has done for us. If you've trusted Christ, it is for you. If you're not living in fellowship with someone, maybe you're holding a grudge or you're angry or you haven't forgiven someone, it's not for you. Because you see, it says that we're proclaiming the work of Christ. And it's showing who we are and what is true in our lives. And if we say, well, God has forgiven me, but I can't, I'm not going to forgive that person, you're a hypocrite. It, it, you, you've got something that isn't right. Don't partake because he says at that point, you're eating and drinking judgment unto yourself. No, nobody's going to ask you any questions. I, I, I have said it before. I'm going to say it one more time and then I'm done. Is that every time, and I know it happened in the first service, there are people in the congregation that said, no thanks. I never ask them why. Sometimes they actually come up and tell me why. I don't ever ask them. But I'm glad because they have taken seriously what the word of God says. Because this is a reminder. And it says, no, this is what's true in my life. And I'm proclaiming it. And I'm going to continue to proclaim it with confidence until Christ comes back. That is what we are doing this morning. If the men would come forward, please. And uh, if you know there's something in your life that you need to get straightened out, please, by all means, I want you to take communion. But I also know that as the men are praying... Uh, that, uh, and it's going to be uh, Brother Joe, and he's praying, you need to get that right. And if it's something you need to talk to somebody, get on the phone as soon as church is over, get to their house, get it taken care of. Because that, this is a time of examination. And he wants us to be able to live a confident Christian life. And then we can praise the Lord for it. And I hope you'll come back tonight and do that also. Joe, please. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege we have to do this often in remembrance of you, as you have, uh, as you have told us to do. And Father, we thank you for your body that you freely gave, that was broken and bruised, they tell us, beyond recognition. Why? Because you loved us. You loved us so much, even that while we were yet sinners, you were willing to die for us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.
the Lord Jesus Christ, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Take and eat. And ask Brother Chris if he would thank the Lord for his shed blood. Lord God, this morning we just uh, come to you with thankful hearts. Um, Lord, hearts full of gratitude, Lord, for what you've done for us. Lord, we on our own um, are nothing. Uh, we don't deserve um, the grace that you give us. But Lord, we thank you so much, Lord, that you shed your blood uh, on the cross, Lord. And that blood um, takes away um, our sins. And Lord, I just uh, some grateful just that um, you saved me and you saved all of those who have chosen to accept that gift, Lord, um, by your blood. We just give this to you in Jesus' name. Amen.
Indeed, Jesus is the victory. If you saw that last line. In commemoration of that victory, after supper, Jesus took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, This cup is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Drink from it, all of you. If you would please rise as we close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, what a magnificent God you are. What a wonderful Savior Jesus Christ is. And what a great helper the Holy Spirit is as he works in our lives. I pray that the things we've seen from the Word of God, the things we've been reminded of by partaking of the Lord's Supper, will be things that we will put into our lives. and We would live our lives with confidence. That Jesus Christ is our Savior. That His presence dwells with us. That He will not abandon us. And He will defend us no matter what the circumstance. I pray that we would leave here with that confidence. And we would serve the Lord to the fullest. And we praise you and thank you through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. God bless. Go with God.